And, and, and the question is, and it really is the question, did he go in? Did he go back into the house of the Father? Now Luke doesn't answer the question for us. But we know one thing. Inside the house of the Father, oh, there is rejoicing, there is life, there is love. Oh, we, we know why E.T. wanted to go home, because when you're home, it's where you belong. It's where everything is the way it's supposed to be. Inside my Father's house, there are many mansions, and I prepared a place just for you, just for you. So come into the house of the Father. And that's made much more poignant today when we look at all the sons and mothers and brothers and sisters who have been thrown out of their father's houses and find themselves refugees sojourning in a foreign land. There's something so powerful and wonderful about being in the Father's house, a place of peace and joy. But today we find Jesus inviting everybody into his house and into the household of his father, into the household of his Abba. And, and, and well, being the most inclusive person that ever walked the face of the earth, no one's excluded. And so we see the, the prostitutes coming and the tax collectors coming and the ne'er-do-wells and the people on the edges and the people who have been cut out. They're getting close to God. And, of course, who else is there are the righteous ones, the Pharisees, the ones who have obeyed the law from the time they were small children, and immediately they have a judgment. Who is this man who, who eats? And you know, in a Jewish household, when you're inviting somebody to dine, you're bringing them into intimacy, into as close as you can come. Who eats with sinners and tax collectors? Now, Jesus never saw sinners. He saw his brothers and sisters, his daughters and sons, as those who may have gone along the wrong path, but, but they're still his. And they're still at the room at the table for all. So he tells the story, and he tells the story specifically to the Pharisees, to those who have been obedient to the law. And it's, it really is the gospel within the gospel. It really is the good news if we have ears to hear. The, the problem is it's such good news that we who may have a pharisaical bent, and we do, may find it too good, too good to be true. Uh, we, and no matter how modern we think we are, still have that old image that was given to us when we were a small child of God in his heavens watching over every little jot and tittle that we do and when we make a mistake he plays the game of gotcha not today that's not good news today we have wonderful news so he tells the story of of two boys one a Pharisee, obviously, one who does everything right, one who has obeyed his father every day of his life, one not so much. And old not so much comes up to him, the younger son, and he says to his father, drop dead. That's basically what he's saying. Give me the inheritance that is coming to me. Well, you get your inheritance after you're dead. 
my kids, if they want their inheritance right now, sorry, son, you're going to have to wait. Ain't going to get it. As, as a matter of fact, a, a, a really financially secure father would say, well, you know, this kid's so stupid. If I give it to him now, he's going to waste it. I, I, I don't think I'm going to, I'm going to do that. I, I, no, I'm not going to give it to you. I, that's what I would say to my kids right now. This God of ours respects something in us that reflects this God of ours himself, herself, that just gives. And what he gives to us is this freedom to choose, to choose where we want to go, to decide what we want to do, to decide what our own fate is going to be. So this father gives the son his inheritance. And of course, we know the story. He, he goes off to a distant land and, and he dissipates, the gospel says, he dissipates everything the Father had given to him. He spends everything. You know, you know and, and really, when you get that kind of inheritance, you've got that much stuff, you're like a drunken sailor. You're going to spend every penny you've got. And he's just having, he's like a pig in mud. He's having a great time. George Collin once said, he said, whenever you get caught in any addiction in the world, whether it's drugs or sex or alcohol or whatever it may be. He says, in the very beginning, it's almost all pleasure and very little pain. But after you are addicted, say, like to cocaine, after a while you get where you have to have it, and if you don't have it, then you are absolutely miserable. So it's, it's a little bit of pleasure and a lot more pain. And by, by the time you are truly addicted, it's all pain. And then the only pleasure you get is when you get back to some kind of an equilibrium, and that only lasts for 30 seconds, and, and you find yourself in the gutter. That's where he finds himself, in the gutter. He's at the bottom. You know, we who know the 12-step program know that we don't get up until we're down. And I think that's part of God's freedom. I think part of God's freedom is to allow us to stumble, to fall, to realize that we cannot do this by ourselves. We are not self-creating. We are not self-powerful. Everything we have is a gift from God, is a grace from God. And it's at that point when you reach the bottom, when he reached the bottom, because he's, he's feeding pigs. This is a Jewish boy slopping pigs. That's unheard of. That's as disgusting as it can get. And yet, what, is, what, is this, what does Luke tell us? Luke says he, he, he longed to eat the pods that he was slopping the pigs with. That's how hungry he was. And finally, he comes to his senses. That's a great line. He comes to his senses because he was living nonsense. And what does his senses say? Oh, in my father's house, the hired hands have more than enough to eat. So he decides he's going to make a transaction with his father so that he can eat. He, he's going to say to his father, you know what, I, I don't, I don't he's practicing his speech. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he's, he's, and he's practicing it. And he's coming home. Now where is the father? In the house. My father's house. A place of security. Where is the father looking? out. Who is he looking for? His son. This is the good news. God doesn't give up. 
God is the hound of heaven. God seeks and seeks and seeks and will not stop until the Lord at least is able to touch us. And what does the Father do? He leaves his house and runs to his son. Excuse me, no Jewish father in the first century would ever get out of the house. He'd sit on his throne and say, up here, you want me, you come to me. I don't go to you. What does he do? He runs to his son. He hugs him. He kisses him. The son begins his speech. Oh, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Oh, shut up. You're my son. This is not a transaction. This is a relation. We don't do transactions with God. We enter into a relationship with the divine. And in the relationship, well, whatever I've got is yours. Oh, put a ring on his finger, and probably was one of his signet rings, which means he got his inheritance back, because when the father finally does die, all he's got to do is seal that ring, and he's got everything his father's got. Put on a ring, put on some sandals, put on a robe, kill the fatty calf. We got a party. We got a party hearty. And so they all go inside, and the party, the party begins. It's a wonderful, why? Oh, because this son who was lost has been found. This son who was dead has come back to lie. And the party began. Meanwhile, meanwhile, back in the back 40, who's coming in? The elder son. I got to confess. First time I really understood this gospel, I was about 16, 15, 16 years old, and I thought, this stinks. This is not fair. Because in comes the little Pharisee. I was a little Pharisee. My nickname of my mother was Good Boy. Good Boy. He was the good boy. He did everything that he was supposed to do. And he's finding out now that there's a party going on, and the reason the party is going on is because his 'er ne'er-do-well brother came back, who after dissipating and spending all of his money, comes back to his father, and now he's, he's, and and, and the father is going to do something wonderful for him, but what about me? And And I read that little Pharisee that I was, and little Pharisee that I think I still am, I resented it. I can remember when we were little kids, everybody had to do their, home, their, their kitchen work after the supper was done, and my job was to, to wash the dishes. My brother Joe job, Joe's job was to, was to sweep the, the floor. Here's how he swept the floor. He would sit down on a chair and move the broom, then move the chair and move the broom a little more. Still sitting down. And I'd say, Ma! Ma, tell Joe to do his part. Look what I've done. Dishpan hands. <laughs> and that's what the Pharisees are doing. That's what this Pharisaical child is doing. And, and what's so sad is that, and he's giving his father chapter and verse, and he's telling him why this is unjust, why it is unfair. For years I've slaved against you. Back to transactions. I've done this, you owe me that. Our relationship with God may not be transactional. It has to be relational. Our God is a relationship of giving, receiving, loving, 
giving, receiving, creating, going out. I've slaved for you, and never once did you give me a, a goat to celebrate with my brothers and with my friends. And when this son of yours, when this son of yours, all of a sudden he's your son, when this son of yours comes back, you kill the fatted calf for him. And I love the father's response. First of all, what did the father do? He came out of the house again. He went out and sought the elder son. He went out and sought the pharisaical son. What, what did the father do? The father went out to seek him. He went out of his comfort zone. Why? He wants him in the house. And what's the line? My son. Relationship. My son. You've been with me always. We've never been separated. Everything I have is yours. Is yours. We had to celebrate because your brother who was dead is alive. Your brother who was lost has been found. And the father then goes back into the house. And the older brother, we don't know. We don't know. But between the hot sins of the younger son, the dissipation, the sexual promiscuity, the addiction, whatever it may have been, is not as painful, ugly, or cutting off as the cold sins of the older son. Resentment, anger, contempt, judgment. Nothing will lock us out of the house faster than that. Why? Because this is something we do once, twice, maybe many times. This is something abiding in us forever. Forever. Until we allow the Father to kiss us, touch us, give us the power to let go and let God. Did the older son come in? I don't know. I don't know. But I pray that all of us who with our own little pharisaical bent, can come in from the cold into the Father's house.